Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. It's been said that a Christian will either be in a trial, coming out of a trial, or about to enter into a trial. You've heard that, right? Now, that's not a great sell for Christianity, I must admit, right? That's not a great sell, okay? You go, what do you mean? Can you imagine if you sit there and, and you'd say, hey, man, do you, do, you, do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? Do you want to go to heaven? And they're like, man, I would. So what's that like? Well, let me tell you what it's like. As a Christian, you're going to be attacked spiritually, and you're either going to be in a trial, or you're going to be coming out of a trial, or you're going to be about to enter into a trial. Who wants this, right? And, and it's not a really tough sell, but, but, but think about it, guys. Think about it. It seems like we are always in a trial. If, if not a personal trial, maybe corporately. You go, what do you mean corporately? Well, there are times when I'll stand up from the pulpit and I'll say, guys, labor in prayer with me. Pray for someone. Pray for so-and-so. You know, I mean, you can look around and you go, hey, where are Joe and Beverly? Pray for Joe and Beverly. You just, you know, we just, we just pray. And so you labor corporately for each other and you, you feel deep with them. You pray for those in your family, in your jobs, people you know who don't know Jesus. You pray, you labor, you walk and do life with others who are in a trial. A sister calls you up and says, hey, could you pray for me? I'm about to, this is really hard right now. This is really tough. I'm, I'm really, I'm going through a storm. I'm, I'm in a valley, if you will. And so you labor in prayer. Sister, let me pray. Guys, we, we know what it's like. So, so you might be here going, man, I just came out of a trial. Oof. Or you might say, okay, I was, yeah, yeah, I just came out of a trial. You might right be here in a trial. You might be corporately praying for other people. It was the great pulpiteer Charles Spurgeon who said this when it comes to trials, quote, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of, end quote. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And I don't know one believer that goes, I love trials. I can't wait to go to the next one. Amen. Why? Because it just tells me who we are. You know what? Let's, if, we, if we're honest in church, we go, mm-mm, mm-mm, no thank you. I like things smooth. I like smooth, who likes smooth sailing? I like everything the same and smooth sailing. That's really what we like, but that's not the Christian life at all. And I think we would be selling somebody, we would, we would be giving them a disservice as, hey, man, give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be A-OK. You're going to, man, listen, you're going to just everything, you're going to get everything back. You're going to be, I mean, we're doing them a disservice because biblically, that's not what we see. Biblically, there's trials, there's tribulations, there's storms. In the case of Jacob, here's what we've learned. We've learned that God himself commanded him to go home, okay? He's been hanging out where? At Padanaram with Uncle Laban. Padanaram is modern-day Iraq, okay? He's commanded to go back to Israel, go back to the land of Canaan. This is what God said, okay? So he's been commanded. Where has he been? He spent the last 20 years there. He's been there. He's been hanging out with Uncle Laban, who's not only uncle, but he's now father-in-law. And I can't help but think back 
to what his mom said before he left home. Do you guys remember? Do you remember? Think about 20 years ago. What, what, what were you doing there? I wasn't even born 20 years ago. Okay, well, think about where you were in 20 years, okay? But, but think about what mom said. Mom said him back in, in 27, 44 and 45, listen to this, because I want you to really grasp this. He says, and stay, speaking to Jacob, stay with him a few days. Go to Laban's, stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you. And he forgets. And he forgets what you have done to him. And I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of both you and one day? Okay? Rebecca never sent for him. You know, really, it's a sad story because Rebecca was the one who instigated the whole thing. Hey, put on this, do it, go to your father, get the blessing. I mean, hey, Jake, Esau's out there. And then, and then when it all blew up, she's like, well, just go for a few days. It'll be okay. We'll calm your brother down. He'll be okay. We'll calm it. He'll come just a few days. Well, my goodness, it's what, 300 plus miles to get where he was going. It took more than a few days. But nonetheless, the sad verse is that mama never called him. As a matter of fact, she dies apart from her boy. And you go, why? Well, here's what I want you to see. The question is, is Esau still angry? We talked about this a few weeks ago, or is Esau still holding a grudge? And of course, we, we, we talked about how Christians, we've we got to be careful not to hold grudges. How we need to have an attitude of forgiveness and an attitude of grace towards people because we know that they're, they're just as messed up as we are. But, 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 is, but is Esau still angry? Another question she's, he's probably asking, you know what, is he, is he just waiting for Isaac to die? Because remember what he said. He said, listen, man, as soon as, as, soon as dad dies, you're done, buddy. As soon as dad dies, I am coming after you. You stole my birthright. You stole my blessing. You got a hit on you, partner, as soon as dad dies. And so this is, this is all going through his head, right? Well, time took a toll, right? It was harder than she thought. Why? Because a few days turned into 20 years. 20 years. Now, now keep this in mind, okay? Keep this in mind. For the sake of our study, Jacob has no idea what state of mind Esau's in. Doesn't know what doesn't know that, right? Okay, because like like today, it's hard for us to understand because we live in real time. Okay? If you have social media, you know what somebody's thinking, you know what's going on. Somebody could post in the Middle East today and you'll know about it in a matter of seconds. You know that, right? So so that's just social media. But we also have text, we also have phone calls. We know. They didn't. So he doesn't know. Twenty years has gone by. He doesn't know. You know, it's not like he wrote he got well in your letter, I got a letter and Jacob's he doesn't know. He doesn't know what state of mind he is. He doesn't know if he's still angry. He doesn't know if he's holding a grudge. He doesn't know, does he still want to kill me? He doesn't know. Now, you would think, with God calling him home, hey, hey, hey sister, I heard the Lord. He said, go home. It would be smooth sailing because God said it. It's amen, right? God said it. God's will. Let's, you would think that it would be smooth sailing. After all, God was the one who told him to come home. 
But what we learn tonight is Jacob just finishes with one major trial, and he actually is heading into another one. I think there's an important point here. You go, why? As I think the Lord was, was, was speaking to me, and, and, and I said, he said, don't miss this point. And I said, okay, Lord, what do we need to do? He says, we need to chat for just a moment. You go, why? Because I was thinking, sometimes when we hear God's voice, we hear it very clearly, we think it's going to be smooth sailing. We think it's going to be just boom. But, but I was reading in our one-year Bible the other day, okay, just yesterday. I was reading about John the Baptist. You guys remember who, who John the Baptist was, right? And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus looked at John the Baptist and said, man, this is the greatest of all the prophets. Okay, so, so from, from the, all the Old Testament, Jesus, who's God in the flesh, looks at John the Baptist He's not only my cousin, he's the greatest of all prophets, right? John the Baptist. So you think, man, he's, I mean, think about it. He was the greatest. He was the forerunner for the Messiah, right? He was the one paving, hey, Jesus is coming. Y'all need to remember, Jesus is coming. And, and I mean, I'm thinking this dude is like John the Baptist. This is John, the, this is, this is John. And you realize that John was in God's perfect will. And if you're reading the Bible with us, the one-year Bible, here's what we learned yesterday. We learned that Herod killed him. He cut off his head and he gave it to his stepdaughter. And I think that's just, that, was just, that was just grody in itself, right? Because here comes the platter with the head of John the Baptist. Killed him. I read that, and I, I got to be honest with you, man. I was just like, okay, this tripped me out. It really did. Why? Because in the very last verse, it says, later John's disciples came for his body, they buried it, and they went and told Jesus what happened. That's what I read. And the Lord began to speak to me in just in a profound way. And you go, why? Because I know what I was thinking when I read this. It's the same thing that you and I think when tragedy happens in our lives. When there is a trial, you go, what is that? Guys, look at it. Look how deep it is, right? Here's what it says. He says, why, why didn't Jesus come and save John? Why, right? That's the question we ask when we're in the midst of a trial, when things aren't going right, when it's a bumpy road in life. Why, God, aren't you, why, did, why didn't you save? Why didn't you do? And that's exactly what I was thinking. Why didn't you come and save? This is John the Baptist. He's the forerunner. He was, he was the one preparing the way for the Messiah. After all, John was one of the good guys, Right? And that's how we think. That's how humans think. Well, why, Jesus, I mean, you were in the vicinity, man. You were like, I mean, think about it. Can you imagine? John the Baptist is getting beheaded right here, but Jesus is no, no farther than, than, than Slayton. Jesus no farther than Shalom. Come! Save him. Send your angels. Do something, Lord. Here's the point I want to make, guys. And you need to jot this down. You ready? Following Jesus won't be easy. Following Jesus won't be easy. The closer we get to his return, the harder it will be. And you might be right in God's perfect will. 
and it'll still be a rocky and bumpy and potholed road. And you might even be saying things like, man, I believe I've done, I've done things right, man. Pastor, I have been praying and I have been fasting and I've been loving my neighbor like the Lord says. I've been obeying the Lord. I've been reading my Bible. I've been walking faithful with the Lord. You might be saying that yet following Jesus with your everything will be tough and there will be trials. But here's what I know. Although Jesus didn't come and rescue John the Baptist, I can assure you that Jesus was with John in the final moments. Just like he's with us every single day. You can take that to the bank. And there are times in our lives, guys, when we come in trials, and you may be coming out of a trial, you're going into trial, and you're going, God, why? I don't understand. I don't want, and, and isn't that the biggest? I don't understand why. And, and, and this side of heaven, we may not understand why. We may not understand why this person or this happened or why. You, guys, listen, I don't understand why, why my mom had to die when I was eight, 18 months old. I don't understand. Oh, that's not fair. I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand why, why when as soon as I turned 13, my sister had to die from, from lung cancer. I don't understand that, but I'm not called to understand. I'm called to go. I trust God that he's with me every step of the way. You see, the gospel has to do more than get in our head. It has to move in our hearts. And we have to come and we have to have this ultimate, amazing, sacrificial love for the God that, that created us. We are so good, guys, at playing church. We are so good at being, at being Christians. We can almost be professional. How are you? God bless you. Amen, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. But that swept aside. I'm just telling you guys, we need to develop a passion, a passionate love for Jesus. And, and that's, what, that's what's going to happen. Jacob, like John the Baptist, like you and me, we follow God out of a love relationship with him, and we obey out of a love for him. Guys, we don't follow Jesus to see what we can get. We don't follow him because, remember, he was, he was giving us, he was giving free lunch. Hey, are you hungry? Let's follow that dude Jesus because, man, we get free lunch. And, and listen, I don't know, there was a, there was a, there was a, there was some fish and there was loaves and, and we followed him and we all ate. It was amazing. That was so full. It was like, I ate like at Golden Corral. It was so good. But, but I'm going to be hungry for dinner, so let's follow Jesus. We don't follow him for what he can give us. We follow Jesus because we love him. Guys, that's, this is exactly what's happening. In a, in a metaphoric way, Jacob could be singing that song. You know that song, right? We all know it. I have decided to follow Jesus, right? I have decided to follow Jesus, right? We know that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. What's it? No turning back, right? So, so Jacob's going, I've decided God called me. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow his instructions. I'm going to follow him. Can I get an amen? Okay. So, so again, think about it. But he's also going, no turning back, right? And, and then the second verse of that, the cross before me, 
the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. I mean, Jacob is probably singing this song in his heart. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about it, right? The cross before me means certain death. Okay, the cross is not like I buried the cross. I carried my cross. What's your crossbow? It's my mother-in-law. She's a pain, but that's my cross to bear. That is not what it means. The cross meant certain death. That if you were going to the cross, that's what it means that you were going to die. The cross before me, Jacob could say, Esau, Esau wants to kill me. God said, go home. God, but God, he says there. Uh, last time we spoke, he said, I'll kill you. Right? I will find you. I will hunt you down. <laughs> right? I will kill you. Maybe, sis, maybe I can go back. Maybe we can, listen, maybe me and Laban, we just, we just cool. I'd be cool. We'll just go back and, you know what? I, I mean, no, no, no. Why? Because, because Laban means death. And so, no turning back. No turning back. And so, that's where Jacob is. And as we pick up our study, guys, in verse 55, remember where we left. It said, early morning that Laban arose, he kissed his sons and daughters and blessed him, and Laban departed to return to the place. Now, you go, well, Ben, 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 I got a question. What was the trial of Laban? What was that trial? Well, again, think about it, guys. Here was a fleshly father-in-law who literally chased down Jacob to kill him for leaving without letting him know. Right? Jacob got, his, got all his family. He said, let's go. Shh. Laban's going to go shear the sheep. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Right? He took off. When Laban found out, he's like, mm-mm. He, he saw red and he went after him. Right? That was, that was huge. Right? And then he found out that, that his household idols were gone. And so he was steaming. Guys, can you imagine? It wasn't that he was just upset. Well, I'm a little upset. I just can't say bye to my kids. He's like, no. I am so steaming. He goes after him. Laban was steamed. And not only that, but here you have an unregenerate man who was known for craftiness, deceitfulness, shady. That's who, that's who Laban was. I mean, think about the wedding day, man. Think about the wedding day, right? He falls in love with Rachel. Boom, 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 Rachel, Rachel. <gasps> right? And he's saying, you know, Rachel, I think I want to marry you. Right? He wants to marry Rachel. Guess what happens? He goes, and Leah shows up, right? His dad goes, hey, it's not right that our firstborn not be married. And so he got burned. Hey, he wakes up. He's like, you're not Rachel. What? What? You remember what? You remember what he made Jacob? He made him pay another dowry and work another seven years. And then he was craftiness, so he removed all the speckled and spotted sheep after their agreement, and he didn't want Jacob to prosper. It wasn't like he was... I mean, think about it. Think about the worst boss you've ever had. That's Laban. Right? You're like, man, I've worked for a lot of people, but I cannot work for that guy. Oh, he bugged me so much. He just changed my wages ten times. Yeah, we're going to give you a raise. No, we're not going to give you a raise. Yeah, we're going to give you a raise. No, we can't afford it. No, you're going to... He says, no, 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 no. And, and, and he did this. I didn't want you to prosper. I don't want you to prosper. And if that wasn't enough, he follows, 
He follows Jacob all the way to the mountains of Gilead. What was the main purpose? Well, I just want to kiss my kids goodbye. No, he wanted to kill Jacob. Guys, he wanted to kill Jacob. Only God intervened and told Laban, not so fast, buddy. Mm -mm, Don't you dare harm a hair on his head. That's what God said. That's what God said. So what does he do? He comes looking for his gods, right? His little gods. And last week we learned a little about life. Why? Well, the first thing we learned was Jacob was afraid of Laban. Okay, he said, why, why, did, why did you leave? Why did you go? Why did you sneak out? I mean, come on. And he said, because I was afraid. I was afraid. Okay, and here's what we learned last week, guys. That We learned that fear is an awful taskmaster because fear will keep you from fulfilling all of God's potential that he has for you. Fear will do that. Fear of man, fear of the unknown, fear of the future. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to render us with fear. Can I just say this to you? Hurt in our lives often produces fear because we don't want to be hurt again. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Y'all are cool, but I'm going to put a guard over my heart. I'm not going to let anybody in. And it's going to keep us from great relationships. It's going to keep us from the potential that God has for us and the ministry that God has for us. Okay? So that's what we learned. Okay? We also learned this. This is a very important point. Number two, Rachel had stolen the household idols. She took them. Jacob didn't know. Okay, She, she took them. You go, then what did we learn? Basically, we learned that Rachel took that, and I guess you could say that Rachel had a good teacher. She learned from her father. And here's what I wrote. The things we do or not do will make a huge impact on our kids. Let us not be parents that say, do as I say, not as I do. I told you to do that. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, guys. Good or bad will be passed down simply by the way you live. Our kids will see that. They know if you have a real relationship with Jesus. They know if you have a real walk with God. They know. Our kids can spot hypocrisy a mile away. They can. And they may not always tell you, but they can spot it. And here's what we need to learn. We need to learn that a sin can be passed down like Jacob did to Rachel, right? She stole, she deceived. So can righteousness. Now, Here's what I'm thinking. As a parent, we go, man, that's a, that's, a tough, that's a tough thing because your kids aren't expecting you to be perfect. They're expecting you to walk with God. And when you make a mistake, you go, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? I blew it. Your kids need to know you're human and that you make mistakes and that you're a sinner and you blow it sometimes. But what we need to do is we need to not, we not, to, not, we not, not to say, well, you know what? I'm the dad. I do what I say, blah, blah, blah. We go, man, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that because we can pass down righteousness. Guys, all we need to do is walk our walk with Jesus. How cool is it when your kids wake up and they see you praying to the Lord and then they mimic you? How cool is that? How cool is that when they know this is what you do? Now, they may not say anything. They may walk in. I want cereal, but they see you. 
they see you. And they remember, wow. So what shaped your life as a Christian? You know, I, I don't remember much, but I remember mom praying. I remember her with her Bible open, and I remember her praying and crying and crying out to the Lord. I'll never forget this, guys. I'll never forget this as long as I live. We were in Israel, okay? And, and we went down, we went to where basically the Western Wall is, and we went through a tunnel, okay? And in the tunnel, there were places where women could pray. And it's real small, and it's this tunnel, and, and they believe it's the wall right where the temple stood. And I remember walking and walking. We're in the tour group, right? And all of a sudden, we came to this little area, and I saw this Jewish mom. She was just praying and crying. I'll tell you what, that tripped me out. Why? Because I, I know she was praying probably for her children and her husband and her family. And she was praying the same prayers that we pray, that God would do that. But I saw that and it so impacted me. I was like, wow. And she's crying and there's tears on her body. She's just crying out to the God, the same God that I love. But the point is, is that, is that, our kids need to see that. Our kids need to see that we're real. And we need to drop the facade. That's what we learned. That's what we learned. Well, you go, Ben, what happened? At, what happened at Gilead? Well, remember Jacob and Laban, they made a covenant, right? What was the covenant? Jacob, you can't come back here. You can't come back to Badanaram, okay? Laban, you can't go past Gilead. We good? It's called a mitzvah. Do you guys remember that? So they swore an oath. They had a meal. Laban kissed his grandkids, and he returned home. Now, here's what I saw that, right? In, in Gilead, it actually means a heap of witness, a heap of witness. It's a witness between you and me that God's going to watch you while you're over there, and God's going to watch me. It was a witness, and I started to think about that, and I thought, hey, what's some great application, right? Here's some great application. Ready? When it comes to our lives here on earth, let me ask you this. What type of witness have we set? What type of witness? You go, what do you mean, Pastor? In other words, are we a good witness for the Lord? Do people around us know that we're born-again followers of Jesus? What type of witness? Now, now that's important. Why? Because our goal is to win people to Jesus. Our goal is not only to go to heaven, but to take somebody with us. Can I get an amen on that? We're not going to do that when we're super rude to the telemarketers who call our home. You go, Ben, those people bug me. I just hang up on them. Okay, okay. But let me, let me, let me touch a nerve, okay? What about sometimes when something doesn't go our way and we have to make a phone call and the person on the other line is rude and you can feel yourself getting hot and you can be ugly, and you can be really ugly. Let me tell you what you're going to do, young lady. And we just, and we just. What kind of witness are we leaving? And may God bless you and keep you from the lion's den. I'm going to tell your boss, you're this, you're this, you're so rude. I can't believe you. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and and here, here's the sad part. Here's the sad part. We do, I mean, we don't know what kind of day they're having when you get to them. We don't know. People are going to be rude to you. People are going to be, they're going to be rude to you. You're going to be at the checkout line. They're going to be rude to you. 
But that's not us. We have the heart of Christ. We want to, we want to be a good witness. And, and, a, and a simple smile. Hey, how you doing? You okay? You okay? We don't know that this checker just found out that they're, that they're rushing her, her son to the ER and she can't get off work because her boss said if she leaves, she'll be fired. We don't know that, do we? So we we got to be sensitive. But the point I want to make, guys, is, is if that's a heap of witnesses, what, what, what type of witness? I mean, are we a good witness for the Lord? Are we a good witness for the Lord? Uh, listen, do people around you know that you're a believer? Do they know? Because they're so because we live in a city that's just so good and so I mean we can mistake it for just for just for just being just just being a Texan Amen Praise the Lord you're a Texan but we don't know that we're a believer Do people know I'm a believer Do people know that I serve Jesus Do people know that I'm sold out for God Do they know You go Amen Pastor and I say Amen That's your witness That's your witness Now. Even if Jacob is afraid, distressed, freaked out, guess what? He can't go back. He can't go back. But what he's thinking is, at least the trial with Laban is over. Oh, wait. Another one's coming. You go, who? Esau. Esau. Listen to this quote, guys. Listen to this quote. Being on a spiritual path does not prevent you from facing darkness, but it teaches you how to use the darkness as a tool to grow. Let me say that again. Isn't that so cool? Being on the spiritual path doesn't prevent you guys from facing the darkness. You, we just got through with one trial. We're, we're headed to the next, but it teaches us how to use the darkness as a tool to grow. Is Jacob going to grow? Is he going to grow with this next shot? Let's see. Verse 30, uh, verse 1 of chapter 32. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the place Mahanaim, Mahanaim. And, and basically just means two camps, two camps, okay? So if you recall, the angels, they came and ministered to him, but right before going into Right? Bethel, before going into Uncle Laban, came, angels came, right? Ministered to him. He saw the letter. Well, now as he's coming out, ministers, and he's just like, wow, this is so cool. Right? Now, if you've if you got a pencil handy and you don't mind writing in your Bible, I put God is so good, man. Why? Because even in the midst of a trial, here is God ministering to us and comforting us. But sometimes... We get so turned around, right? We get so messed up that we forget that God is ministering to us. And we cry out to the Lord, God, why aren't you speaking to me? And God goes, man, I've been speaking, but you gotta, you got you to gotta reduce the noise. you got to turn down the noise in your life so you can hear me speak. And God's ministering. He says, man, listen, right after, right after Laban left, man, what does God do? He shows up with some angels, man. He shows up with some angels. I think this is just great, this is just great encouragement. Why? Because, because God has been showing himself faithful. Now, if you're taking note, 
a New Testament reference to this, guys, is found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And we don't have time to read this, but listen, this is when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Do you guys remember this, where Jesus is tempted? Okay. And what happens? He's hungry. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happens? Satan says, man, make those stones become bread. And, and Jesus says, no, man, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down and he will give his angels to protect you. And Jesus says, man, it is written that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And the very last one, he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, and, and, and Jesus says, away with you. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. That was the whole scenario. But, but here's what I like. In verse 11, it says, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Angels came and ministered to him. So what does Jacob do? Jacob prepares for the next trial. His encounter with Esau. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban, and I have stayed here until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks. I have male and female servants. I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. You guys see that verses 3 through 5? Now, here's what I want you to jot down. Look what Jacob is demonstrating. You go, what's that? Number one, jot this down, humility. Humility, why? Because he says, thus your servant Jacob says. What's the second thing? Honesty. Honesty. Why? He says, I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. In other words, he's going, listen, I'm telling you this because, because listen, I am your servant. And, and I thought, wasn't that cool, right? So we have, we have what? We have humility and honesty. And guys, these are great godly characters for us to possess. We should be walking in humility. There is not a one of us that is lifted up. We are servants of the Most High God. That's it. So we walk in humility, but we also walk in honesty. In honesty. In all we do, let us walk honestly. So what does Jacob do? He sends a messenger, right? He wants to see what kind of state Esau's in. I mean... Notice verse 6. He says, Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau. Yeah, yeah. And he's coming to meet you with 400 men with him. I bet his heart just dropped right there. 20 years didn't do anything. (gasps) Breathe, Jacob, breathe. (sighs) See, Jacob remembered the threat back in verse 41 and 42 of chapter 27. And he had reason, right, to be frightened. He didn't know what his brother's intentions. I mean, think about it. He's not just coming out, hey, Jacob's coming to meet you, right? 400 of his men are coming with him. 400 of his men, right? Here's my thought. For Jacob, this was what you could call life-altering news. This is going to change his life. This is going to change his life. But here's what I love. In verses 9 through 12, Jacob goes to the Lord in prayer. He goes to the Lord in prayer. But before we get there, we got to go back to 7 and 8. But think about this. 
Here's what I wrote here, guys, and, and I think it's appropriate. Lord, teach us to run to you when news is not good. When life is threatened, when life is altered, teach us to pray and obey you, seek and trust. Now, it's easier said than done because I'll never forget the day that life-altering news came to me. I'll never forget the day we were sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor looked at me and he said, your, your wife has cancer and it's life-threatening if you don't do something. Now, I wish I could stand before you and go, oh, you know what? I just, I bowed down and I prayed and I worshiped the Lord and I just knew God was going to do something. I wish I could say that to you, but you know what I did? My mind went into, how do I fix this? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And that's why I said here, guys, Lord, teach us to run to you when news is not favorable. Teach us to run to you when life is threatened. Teach us to pray and obey. Why? Well, notice verse 7. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Of course, 400 men are coming, right? And so he's like, oh, no. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. And I don't know if he got that from me. He goes, man, this is Mohanu. There's, there's two companies. There's angels' companies and there's our company. That's what it means. And so he's like, hey, I got this idea. Let's just divide it. I know that he's what? He is afraid and he is stressed out. Why? Think about it. Put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Laban is behind him, so he can't go back. Esau is in front of him. He's got 400 men. He's in trouble. But I want you to see something here that I thought was so cool. Esau, 20 years ago. Laban, but it's all past, isn't it? You go, Pastor, what's the point? Here it is. Both of these men were part of Jacob's past, and he didn't do right by them. So guess what happened? His past crippled him by fear. Our past has a way of doing that to us. You go, well, what should I do? Well, here, here, here's the hashtag truth. You go, what's that? I think we need to examine our past and our mistakes, reconcile them so it doesn't cripple us in fear. You go, well, like what? Forgive those who hurt you and ask for forgiveness to those you hurt. But most importantly, let go of the past. Why? Because the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. You need to let go. Don't let it, don't let it cripple you, man. Jacob is just crippled in fear. He doesn't know what to do. And notice what he says. He says, and if Esau comes to this one company and attacks it, then the other company will, will be left as cave. And I'm going, what is Jacob doing? Right? Well, if you're taking out, jot this down. He's walking in fear and unbelief. Right? What's he trying to do? Okay. Here's the problem. If Jacob comes, okay, if Esau comes and he attacks this company, well, you'll be safe. If he attacks you, then you'll be saved. All right, ready? One, two, three, break. And, 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 and again, well, really simple. Jacob is preparing for the worst. In verse 8, Jacob tries to take care of it himself. In verse 9, he prays. Notice the prayer. I love what he does next. Notice the prayer in verse 9 through 12. He says, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family. I will deal 
well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the, and, and the mother with the children." For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants to the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Isn't that a great prayer? You go, did you notice what he prayed? First of all, he prayed the promises back to God. God, you said, God, you said you were going to, I mean, you told me to go. Lord, you said, I love that, right? What should you do? Open your Bible and pray the promises back to God. God, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. I feel lonely right now, God, please. God, you told me that you were going to walk with me every step of the way. God, you're going to move on my behalf, and you're praying the promises back to God. And so again, think about it, guys. And, but then he's also honest. He's going, hey, guys, I am afraid of Esau. I'm afraid, God, deliver me. He's going to come and kill me. God, please. And I think it's so important to be able to be super honest and, 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 and verbal. God, please, I'm really freaked out. I'm really, I'm just, Lord, I really think this is going to happen. And he's praying to the Lord. He's praying the promises back. God, you promised. And now he's saying, okay, do that, do that. And this is such a great prayer, but, but it, reminds, it reminds me so much of me. And you go, well, how so, pastor? Well, right after an awesome heartfelt prayer, Jacob goes back to his own strategies. Are we like that or what? Are we like that or what? We will pray heaven down. We'll feel the presence of God and we'll get up in our flesh and try to resolve the problem. Come on, just me? Don't leave me up here alone, just me? That's exactly what I do, right? That's exactly what it is. Now, now, no, no. What, in verse 13. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. Okay? In other words, he goes, he slept there. Then he prepared a present for his brother from his possessions. God, you promised you're going to take care of me. God, you promised my descendants. You told me, go. okay, I better get a present ready. I better, I better, I better make provisions. Ooh, he's not. Oh, 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 oh. What was the gift? What was the gift? Look at verse 14. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10... What? That's not a present. That's a farm. He's giving him a farm. He's like, there you go. You go, yeah, that's, that's crazy. This is a huge... But you know what it makes me realize? It makes me realize that Jacob was wealthy. God blessed the socks off of him, man. If he's giving that as a present, how much does he have? Okay? It's kind of like Christmas. When your budget is 100 bucks, y'all might get $10 worth of presents. But if I had 100,000, y'all are going to get a nice present. Yeah, what's your budget? 100,000. Y'all are going to get a, get a nice present from me. You see, he has a lot, and he's going, man, how am I going to? Here's, here, here's a gift. Here, here's a gift. Here's a gift. Well, here is how Jacob is going to take care of Esau, or at least try. Notice, 
Verse 16. Then he delivered them into the hands of his servant, every drove by itself, and said to his servants. Now notice, here's what he's saying. Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? You shall say, they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau, and behold, he is also behind us. He has commanded the second, the third, all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. So he says, Behold, your servant is behind us. For he said, notice, this is the reason, I will appease him with a present that goes before me, and afterwards I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Do you guys see what Jacob did? He prayed this amazing, God, you're going to move on my behalf. God, you promised, you promised. I know I'm afraid of Jacob, but you are God. Hallelujah. Okay, now I got to get working. Now I got to figure this out. Okay, so you're a company, you're a company, and you're a company. When you come to, when you come to, when you come to Esau, say, you're my Lord. Here's a gift. And Jacob is behind us. Okay. And if it gets past you, okay. Same thing with you. Well, same thing with you. Ready? Break. That's, that's what he's doing. He's, he's trying to appease us, right? Three companies, the purpose. What does he want to do? Well, the purpose is he's afraid of Esau. 400 men coming to meet him. I got I to soften the blow. He hopes this will appease him. For what? For stealing his birthright and his blessing. And he's hoping that when Esau sees him face to face, maybe he will be glad and welcome him. I want you to know, here's some great truth. You ready? Here's some great application. Think about this. If you note with me in verses 18 and 20, Jacob says, tell Esau all of this. And he says, and what? And, and he's coming behind us. He's coming behind us. You go, why is that important? Because I was thinking about I was thinking about Jacob, right? Where is Jacob? Jacob puts three companies ahead of him, and he's he's bringing up the rear. He's coming from way behind. And I thought, isn't that like us? See, many times in our lives, we'll sing, or I will sing, "I surrender all." I surrender all, right? We'll sing that to the Lord. I surrender all. Okay. But so often, like Jacob, guys, we'll surrender the goats, the sheep, the camel, the cows. But what he wouldn't do is surrender himself. I'm going to stand behind here. I wonder if he said, you know what? God is with me. I surrender. I'm going to go first. I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. But think about it, guys. How many times do we stand saying, I surrender all? And God goes, hey, man, I want that, per- I want that little piece of your heart that you haven't surrendered. What? Well, why do you want that, Lord? That, that's not bothering anybody. Yeah, but see, it's keeping me from, from, from drawing close to you. I want, I, want that part, I want that part of your heart. Right? Weren't you just singing, I surrender all? Or were you thinking, I surrender some? I surrender three quarters. I said, right? Is it all or is it, is it just a little bit? And, and, and I think about that, guys, because we're all the same. We do the same thing. I surrender just, I surrender just enough so I don't get in trouble with God. 
Listen, listen, we'll give God everything. And what God says is, I don't want everything, I want you. Well, God, you can have, you can have this, and you can have that, and you can do this, and you can... Now, I know what you're thinking. You go, what's that? Esau wanted to kill him. And yes, covered that with the promise of God. God would not tell him to go home, right? So I know you're going, well, of course he's going to send him, but Esau wants to kill him. But here's the thing, man. Here's what we need to do. We need to trust, help me guys, we need to trust in the sovereignty of God. We need to trust in the sovereignty of God. Verse 21, so the present went over before him, but he himself lodged that night at the camp. So he sent the present, okay? He sent the gift. You guys with me on the gift, right? Okay, he's, he's trying to appease them. We got that. Now, the present, the gift, went ahead of Jacob to Esau. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I want to close... I want to close the chapter here, but I want you to stay tuned, okay? I want you to stay tuned because... As I was going through this and I was thinking about the present and I was thinking about the gift, I started thinking, I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share some, some, something. And it's not off topic, off topic, but this, okay? I thought, well, I'm going to finish the chapter, but I know God, I know Jacob wrestles with God, so we'll talk about that next week. But I want to chat to you just a little bit, guys, about the gifts, about, about gifts. You go, what do you mean? But not... The gift specifically. I don't want to talk about the camels that he sent over. I don't want to talk about, but I want to talk about gift as far as being able to give a good gift and be able to receive good gifts and mainly our hearts in it. Yeah, you can come up. I, I said we're, we're getting ready to close. No problem. Remember Jacob prays. Now stay tuned, okay? Stay tuned. Remember Jacob prays. Then he proceeds to take things on his own. Amen? You, you see that. Now, listen, listen. So often, we all have a hard time either giving or receiving gifts. And yet the Bible says to us, obedience is better than sacrifice. So what we need to do is take a moment to look at our attitude and our heart in giving and receiving. Okay, so so Jacob is going to give a gift. Okay, but but here's the thing: what was his motive behind giving the gift? Okay, so think about this. Here's what I want you to jot down: when it comes to giving, we need to give on purpose. You go, Pastor. I'm not sure what you mean. Here's what I want to say. When it comes to giving, we need to give on purpose. We need to give of our time. We need to give of our talents. We need to give of our resources, and we need to give of our finances. We need to give on purpose. And you go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Giving on purpose is not out of compulsion, but it's with a grateful heart. You see, Jacob felt pressured to give the gift to Esau, to appease him. But I was thinking, are, are, are we like that? Are we, oh, I, 
but, but, but he says, well, okay, so, so what about giving? What about, what, what about giving? Well, let me illustrate it this way. Let me illustrate it. Talia, you told me this, right? You told me this. And, and, and I'm taking this from Talia. Now, this has never happened to me, okay? But it's happened to you, right? The pay it forward at Starbucks, okay? Talia drove, right? Does that happen to anybody else? Okay, so, so you drive up, right? All of a sudden it goes, hey, welcome to Starbucks. You know, and you go, man, I want to, and you get to this, hey, the, the car in front of you paid for your coffee. Really? That's awesome. That's awesome. Does that happen to you? So what do you do? Did you, did you, buy, did you buy the next person? Yeah, you bought the next person, right? And it, it, right? So you're like, oh, oh. But, but here, here's what I thought. Talia told me that story, right? And, and I was just like, but, but here's the thing. I asked her, did you, did you buy the person behind her? She said, yes. But I got to thinking about that. Now, could it be that the only person who really gave was the very first person? And I started to think about it, right? Because, listen, it's never happened to me because I'd be like, hey, praise the Lord, free coffee. And I'd, I'd, right? I wouldn't worry about who's behind me. You laugh at that, but think about it. Think about it. How many of us felt compulsed? Well, hey, you're the 23rd card. Keep it going. Keep it going. Did you really give because you had put money aside to buy coffee anyway? Okay? Okay, so think about it. Think about it, right? Everyone else felt guilty by compulsion and bought the next coffee until one person learned to truly receive and said, thank you. This is good. This is good. Sometimes the barista looked and said, you're supposed to keep it going. He's like, amen, free coffee. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Here's the issue that affects our hearts. We have a hard time giving of our gifts, giving presents, our time, our talents, our finances. But we do it anyway out of fear, guilt, compulsion, or appeasement. And yet the Bible says to you and I, it's better to give than to receive. So what I want you to do is pray to give on purpose. But I also want you to receive as well. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Listen, we have a hard time receiving coffee from men. We will have a hard time receiving from God, the things of God. Give with your time, your talents, your resources, your finances, your wisdom, your laughter, your smile. Give with a joyful heart. Guys, listen. Here's the deal. Listen, when you give of your time and your talents and your resources and you give of your finances, guys, we're going to make an impact on Lubbock. When you give of your wisdom... Because you've been there before and you know what it's like and you know the road that can go down. You want to give of your wisdom. You, you, you want to give of your laughter. Guys, we should, we should, why are we not laughing? Why are we not having a good time? Why are we Christian Eeyores? I'm a Christian, praise the Lord. You want to be one too? That's not us. We should be so happy, so excited, and we should be sharing the gift of laughter. Isn't life funny? 
Isn't life silly? Here's the thing. We want to take the Lord Jesus seriously. Amen? But we we don't need to take life so seriously. It's a blast. We need to have fun. You go, what else? What about the gift of a smile? A smile. It's free, and it makes people's day. You ever go, just do this tomorrow. Just purpose to smile at everybody. They'll think you're nuts. They will flat out think you're nuts. Hi, what is wrong with you? Life is horrible. Just just smile at him. I, 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 I challenge you. Just smile at people. Just smile at people. Do it with a joyful heart. But receive. Receive with a glad heart from others. Okay? Receive. Be able to receive. And here's what I love. We should receive encouragement. Be able to receive that. See, if we have a hard time receiving coffee, we have a hard time receiving what God has. And that's, that could be encouragement. That could be encouragement. Hey, man, you're, you're really awesome. Oh, no. He has a hard time receiving. Receive that encouragement. Receive that encouragement, man. Receive, guys, receive wisdom. Receive wisdom. That's where you go, hey, man, I don't know everything. Could you help me? Could you tell me how this is? Hey, you know, receive. Receive time spent together. When you go out on a date with your wife, and you should be dating your wives. When you go out on a date, it's okay not to have everything perfect, but just to spend time together. When you go on a date, what happens? We talk about the kids. Don't talk about the kids. Talk about when you used to, before you had kids. Talk about hopes and dreams. Time spent, right? That's it. Oh, Pastor, I, don't, I would go on a date, but it cost me 80 bucks. It doesn't have to call you 80 bucks. You can get two Starbucks, and maybe you'll have to pay it forward, and you get it free. <laughs> And you can go to the park and you can you can receive. And you go, why are you so why are you so bent on, on receiving? Well, also to receive financial help. If someone wants to help you and bless you, receive that. And you go, why? So that you learn to receive and then you can receive all that God has for you. That's the key. That's the key. More next time. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.